welcome back to the Masters of Modern MMCast podcast and YouTube show. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? How's it going? This is, this is, this is Masters of Modern week. It's a big week for us. This is exciting stuff. We get to talk about uh, one of the most insane sets ever, Alex. I, I mean, am I wrong in saying that this looks like one of the most insane sets ever printed? No, you're 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 absolutely correct. <laughs> like it's, the it's bananas. Yeah. Every day I'm like, oh, that's the best card in any standard set, right? Like that's like how I feel when I look it's, at it. It's something that's really interesting is like after Modern Horizons one or during Modern Horizons one, there was this big attitude of, um, oh, it's Commander Masters. None of the cards here are going to make decks better, or like none of these fit in the already established archetypes, which is like a lot of how like Magic card evaluation happens. It's like my least favorite version of Magic card evaluation, where it's like I'm only going to look for cards that make already established decks better. So I only want those, and I'm not going to think like, oh, this makes this other card better. And like obviously proven wrong ended up being one of the most powerful sets of all time hogak broke the format in half as did astrolab as, as did ren and six and other powerful cards um force negation etc but i think i think th this time around people are like oh yeah last time but now there's been this like retroactive con continuity where everyone looking at modern horizons would be like oh wait last time that was overpowered powered this set feels way more balanced and <laughs> and and like Hindsight is always twenty twenty. Uh, I do think yep. two things are different, right? Like last time, this set was developed knowing what happened with Modern Horizons 1. That set did what it did as this set was being developed and finalized. They were like, okay, let's see and make sure. Let's test. We brought They brought in more pros that of uh, to, to make sure that this set just like didn't break Modern in half as much as the last one did. Um, and they paid more attention to it. Um, they also developed this set specifically to be Modern Horizons 2, uh, where Modern Horizons 1 was designed and templated as Time Spiral 1. And then halfway through development, they realized that this could be a set that feeds new cards into Modern for the first time. So and like to give it that much more of a little bit of a bump. And so like a lot of cards were already designed and archetypes were already at play versus this specifically being designed to be this. So that as another layer where people they like they were thinking of modern at the time when developing these cards but um, remember modern horizons one everyone walked out of preview season being like oh this set's not made for modern doesn't seem like anything is going to be here and then it broke the format in half and there are cards that we won't even talk about tonight that we might miss that are just going to be so overpowered that they might break the format and I think that's fine. I think like to get cool cards like this and they raise this power level, you need that. But like, and, and my guess is it comes from a total, like, I don't think there are any cards in this set. And in fact, when we talk about what we're talking about today during our main review, which we're doing this from a deck perspective and talking about which decks got new cards, the smallest section is like current decks that are already powerful that got new tools, which there's definitely tools there, but it's a less interesting and B like what those are the ones wizards tested for wizards isn't like yes let us print cards to make heliod company better <laughs> they're like well i think something really interesting to point out when you look at this set is that number one um we just got time spiral remastered and in a lot of ways when you play time spiral remastered what you what you feel is like you kind of want it to feel like a a, a, a modern master's set like that's what it wants to feel like right like it, it is kind of that and it, so it, it harkens back to this time period with all these fun mechanics and cool cards which would you realize when you go back now 10 years or more 
is that most of the old sets are not that powerful. Like by and large, the old sets, even the ones that had really good cards in them, the whole of the set is really underpowered, actually. Like if you look at the time spiral block on the whole, it's not that powerful of a set. It's just kind of powerful, right? It has a few cards that are really cool and everything else is super moderate because it was just designed for standard. This set coming directly after Time Spiraling Master is so interesting because it feels like this is all of the powerful stuff that while they were designing and, and thinking about remaster, they were like, well, if we just like added a lot of really cool stuff to this, what would it look like? And that's exactly what this set is. It, it actually feels like the essentially like the, uh, the restrictors were taken off well, yeah. um, and, and they, they got to take all the inspiration from those reprints and craft this whole new thing. And so when I look at this set, to me, this feels way more deliberate than Modern Horizons 1. This everything I read in the set feels like it's it's supposed to be pushed to exactly the limit of the power level they wanted so that it would remain exciting without being stupid like that. And, and I'm sure there will be one or two stupid cards in here. It's impossible to avoid one or two of these will break the format and probably get banned because this set is so powerful. It's hard to imagine it wouldn't happen. But everything else is going to be right at that edge, which is the most exciting kind of magic, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like a few interesting things, right? Like one, when you mentioned power level on this set, it does feel pushed. I also think part of that, where it feels the most pushed, interesting here, are unknown quantities, right? It's like just counterspell is being added or uh, yeah. the, the, the new noble hierarch, which is just a... Like, we know what that card does. Wizards know exactly what the power level of the card. It's extraordinarily high. It's the most played creature of all time in modern. But it's like, fine. <laughs> like, it's not breaking the format in half. Um, and, and or it's like answers, right? It's like damn or the invocations where they're all like really technically more responsive cards, which the format kind of needs anyways. So so it's interesting to see like here power level come out a little bit more on the response side or known quantity side versus versus pushing power level on engines right like that was the one thing that modern horizons one did more was like here are a bunch of engine cards let's go and here it seems a little bit more on known engines from legacy that exist already but like have never really made it there like enchantress or or um kind of just like more on the answer side so that that's one thing that i think is interesting too like it was I'm so glad, especially before we did this episode, that three weeks ago we did that. We did a draft where we drafted Modern Horizons 1 and Time Spiral in the same evening. And we did like a yeah. almost a mini Highlander Gauntlet roulette situation where like we you built two commander decks or not commander decks. You built two limited decks out of two drafts, one of Time Spiral Masters, one of Modern Horizons. And then you played against them randomly and like it really shows you the difference between <laughs> between the two power levels, right? Like where like literally because you battled them like that. You like there were times where I played my time spot remastered deck against, you know, uh, someone else's modern horizons deck. And you like get a feel for like, oh, pound for pound, which one of these sets is more powerful, which one is more worse. And modern horizons two seems to be more powerful than modern horizons one. So I agree that 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 kind of was taken into account. There's also and I think one of the reasons they're willing to go hot ham on the power level here that's a little weird is this set was developed and made with the intent that pioneer was going to be a functioning and fully supported and fully adopted magic format and right. so and so some of this feels like let's just take the best stuff of legacy if not the best stuff at least the most the like let's broaden modern to be legacy-esque um where we can 
And because we have Pioneer to be our like safety gap middle ground that people can be that 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 is going to be a safer place for people to play. Let modern get more and more closer to legacy as we move forward, where we're like, let's print in tombs and straight up animate deads <laughs> and like all of these effects that like don't fly in any other format. And it, it's fascinating. I, I like and, and, and then obviously Pioneer didn't work. This was already going to come out. And that doesn't say Pioneer could come back. Right. I'm not like. We're going back to paper magic. I would be very surprised if Wizards didn't retry and invigorate Pioneer. I would imagine actually that if GPs ever come out or if paper pro tours ever come out back, like there's going to be a few of them. And the first run is possibly just going to be a Pioneer focused one because they're going to want to jumpstart that like a hard jumpstart on on Pioneer. But this set was intended to kind of be a further breakaway point to make modern more and more modern day legacy where legacy was when modern started than where it was currently sitting. I think we talked about that for a long, long time, right? Which is like a modern slowly, but surely over time was becoming more and more and more of the, the no pun intended, the modern legacy. Uh, it, it was becoming like sort of what we expected out of legacy. And the other big point that really stands out to me here, and we're going to talk about the, the, in, the uh, incarnations, but we always would say force of will is kind of the card in a lot of ways that holds legacy together. It's the thing that, you know, allows the blue decks to police the rest of the formats and not just be completely unfair. And so force of negation highlighted a cycle of cards in modern horizons one that kind of was trying to give us a little bit of that, that reactive stuff you're talking about. But in the end, only one of those cards became a staple. The other one became the green one became, you know, played a, a totally significant sideboard card. And the other three were basically irrelevant. These cards look to me, when I look at all of them, like every one of them has a place. They all feel like they are trying to give us more tools like that to be able to make modern a format where, I mean, we're going to talk about specific decks, but if I'm in blue-white and I get to a turn where I want to cast my my, my five-mana Teferi, you know, my one or two of in my deck, and I want to cast that, and I have opened the white invocation in my hand, like... I'm going to have that feeling of I can do this because I won't lose to a creature combo deck because I at least have a piece of interaction while I'm tapped out. And this includes the two mana I'm going to untap to hold open this counter spell. I've got double backup, right? Like that's like what is going to happen in those situations. And I think that this set, these cards and a lot of the power level that has been pushed, like I read through the full spoiler before this episode that so far, just to make sure I was completely up to date and I hadn't missed even a single common and I felt like 85% of what I read to me felt playable in the sense of what we used to talk about on the show. Or I, if I would read a card, I'd be like, oh, I want to try to build around that. Like 85% of what I saw so far was like that fits into something cool I could do something fun with. Yeah, yeah. And that and that kind of gets us to the reason our our, our how we're doing this review. So this is our uh, Modern Horizons set review. Now, we're going to be talking about Modern Horizons basically for the rest of the season, <laughs> based on how Ben mentioned our normal set review, where we go over every card we want to think about or talk about literally would have taken we'd have we just don't we would have been talking about Modern Horizons in 2023. Uh, there's there's just literally almost every single card has a reference I want to talk about, has a um, power like, is, is playable in modern playable in commander. Like, like literally this is one of the deepest sets I've ever seen. Even stuff like there's a squadron, uh, uh, Hawk, not squadron Hawk, whatever there is. There's the, 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 the there's a white, white, white lifelink flying three, three for, th oh, yeah, uh, yeah, the bird. Uh, yeah, yeah, 
that that is that exists because it's the when they were making this set one of the most pop in Modern Horizons one one of the most popular creatures I think it was like the top of the popularity roll was Lana War Squad or whatever it was like the group of Lana War Elves the three of them right. that card is and at the time on Arena the most crafted card was the one one flying lifelink. And so sure. they were like, okay, let's just make that the Lana World one. And they made a few of those, but that was the one that survived. And like, that's right there. That was the conversation we would have had. So like that every single card has that. <laughs> and if you follow me on TikTok, I'm going to talk about a lot of them there. But we wanted to figure out ways to do this. So we're doing this in kind of two parts. The first one is today. We're going to talk about a bunch of different decks that we're going to go over. Um, we're going to talk about decks that have fallen behind that are maybe getting a big boost here. Stuff like Affinity. We're going to talk about decks that never existed that are just getting a bunch of pieces that let them let them exist. And then we'll talk about some established decks that are getting some 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 big bumps here. And then next week, uh, we're going to do what I'm referring to as the Modern Horizons 2 Academy Awards. And uh, we have somewhere around 15 to 20 categories, everything from best mythic to most flavorful to uh, best red card to best card of modern, best commander, etc. Um, that we are going to be taking nominations. There's, in fact, a form below in the description that you can fill your nominations for each category for. Um and that closes on Friday. <laughs> but uh, we'll and please comment below any ideas you have as well if you want to start convincing others to include your your ideas for each category. Um, so you get one nomination per category, um, and then we'll take that into consideration. We'll do a bunch of polling and voting in different formats from Twitter to TikTok to wherever we decide to post it um, on each of the categories, and then we'll do a whole Academy Awards. We'll do you know we'll have the four main nominees, and then we'll read off the envelope. And we'll announce the best one. and We'll talk about five, it a little bit. Five nominees. That's how it works. Just no. You want to do you want to do four because of Twitter. We're going to change the Academy Awards format to accommodate Twitter, Alex. Really? Yeah. The Academy Awards okay. changed their format okay, that, to accommodate that, that's like fair. that's that's fair. I can get on board <laughs> like with the that. Dark Knight or something. <laughs> <laughs> how many Academy Awards can win now? Ten. Also, yeah, like sometimes so like best animated feature has like two nominees. <laughs> it's fair. And also, great news, uh, the uh, MMCast slash Master Modern is now affiliated with TCG Player, so if you are checking out cards, if you're buying stuff there, or you have here one of the cool ideas that we talked about today and you want to buy cards from it, make sure to go to tcgplayer.com uh, and use the check code uh, VMMCast, capital M-M, capital T, as you check out, uh, So that and, and it doesn't cost you anything else, we just get a little bit um, uh, of a bump from that, and it helps us out, helps this podcast continue as it's doing, uh, so it costs you nothing, just as, as your normal card buying experiences uh and then we get a little bit of a benefit and super appreciate it so thank you tcg player thank you uh for anyone who uses that code while shopping we super appreciate it uh and lastly oh i do want to one change so our academy awards episode the uh the 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 nomination process has been up and uh there'll be voting going on tuesday and wednesday this week um, so make sure to check that out because uh, it is it has been live and i've been sharing it everywhere on the internet so hopefully your nomination got in in time at the time of you listening to this and last but not least, our Discord is open to the public. If you want to join the Discord, we've opened it up. It used to be uh, Patreon exclusive. Now it's available for everyone. Our patrons get a special area in there where they get to hang out and do stuff there as well. But uh, there's a bunch of sections, including uh, talking about preview cards and other cool stuff. Definitely make sure to check that out. All of this is linked below. And uh, we're just hanging out and talking about stuff. So let's 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 get let's get to the episode, Ben. So first, we're talking about. Decks that have fallen behind but have gotten a huge boost. And the first deck we're going to talk about is Affinity. So 
Affinity was already falling behind. So, you know, there's a lot of talk, you know, like, oh, this deck has been dead since Mox Opal was banned. And I haven't, like, that's what killed the deck, right? Like, is Mox Opal's banning. But to me, Mox Opal's banning was like a nail in the coffin to a deck that already was kind of falling behind in the metagame. Now, Urza decks and KCI decks were taking advantage of it in extreme ways. But at that point, it had already fallen behind. This set has. I think pumped. If you're going to go back to. I think if you're going to go back to Affinity, like it's heyday, because because everything you're talking about, KCI Urza, those are different decks that take advantage of artifact synergy. But Affinity, I think when we say that, and 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 I think the other way to refer to that deck is robots is like it's a small attacking creatures deck that use pieces of equipment and kind of fast, efficient mana to overwhelm you in the early game. And I know there were versions of it that played. The red card uh, that I'm forgetting right now, the one uh, that you would you could play spells per turn off the top of your deck. But anyway, it doesn't matter. The, the point is that deck was definitely a thing up until man, it's been a few years now, right? Like even like you said, even before the Opal banning, that deck had definitely suffered. And I think when we talk about some of the cards that had been or that have been previewed, uh, it does seem like. There was interest by Wizards in giving this just a little bit of a kick in the butt, right? Like, it's a, it's yeah. a very iconic deck in Modern's history. I would go as far as to say that in the old days of Modern, like the first half of the format, it was a top three deck for the first half of the format. Yeah, and I think I think like Zabaz or Zabaz or Zabzabs, whatever you want to call them, the, <laughs> the 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 Glimmer Wasp is like a big a big win for the deck, right? It's like one for one mana, you get a fly like a modular um, modular one. Uh, doubles all modular triggers, so it makes Ravager counters double, um, and then you can use it to destroy artifacts you control, so it kind of has like a sacrifice effect, but instead of sacrificing, you destroy it. It's like a cool, cute way of working around it, and then can gain flying for one white. It's this cool kind of Boros uh, 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 legendary creature for that. I think that's a kind of a really cool addition to the deck. It gives another kind of Ravager-esque card. Um, you also get stuff like Ornithopter of Paradise, which just gives you a flying birds of paradise for two mana, um, which might be a little expensive, but having flying is like a, really a big game. Um, so yeah, I think, I think, and then you just have stuff like, uh, what's it called? The new, there's like a bunch of actual affinity cards that feel like they were printed for it. You have, I mean, there's thought, thought, thought monitor is the yeah. card that really comes to mind for me. I mean, that was the card that when I read it, I was like, wait, you're telling me that if I hit affinity, if I have all my things in play and this is the minimum, cause, cause let's be honest. Every single person that ever reads an affinity card does the same thing, right? You go, okay, if the conditions are correct, I will be playing this card for only its colored mana. So mm-hmm. dude, what you're looking at is a two mana, two, two flyer that draws you two cards. That's an insanely powerful card. Right. That's like, if that is a thing, and granted, the affinity cost is huge, right? Isn't it like six colorless or something like that? It's like, it's like eight it's mana. Six, six, six and one, and but it is only, so it's, it's one more than Thoughtcast. Six blue. Okay, six blue. So, 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 okay. So you, so you can cast this for one blue. Yeah. If you have six artifacts in play. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, but I still look at the card and I go, if the conditions are met properly, which you know, there's plenty of ways to meet them. That's an insane card. A two-two oh, yeah, no. flyer for. That's also an artifact that draws you two cards. I mean, that that blows my mind. Yeah, you know, like as I said, like Thoughtcast has seen play in Affinity since the inception of the format. Um, but for this, it's it's two extra Affinity. Now there are more artifact lands. There are better one drops. I actually think this card's really really strong. And like this alongside Zabaz, and then as I just mentioned, the new artifact lands, including the modular one as well as a bunch of gold ones. Now they all enter the battlefield tapped, which is a ne- negative for Affinity, but it's also a deck that like 
turn zero maybe plays one of the tap lands maybe it plays like one or two of them for the cause they need fixing of and then turn two can dump their whole hand or put an ornithopter in play on turn one and a midnight on, on turn one and then turn two you can do this big explosive turn that pumps that ornithopter um letting you get in for damage i think there's like a lot of really powerful things that make it and then because of stuff like zabaz there's now a reason to play Rustvale bridge which is the the red white artifact land so so it's like there's a lot of really cool stuff added to affinity i think for sure there's also a few things that they added to affinity that are that are like particularly clever right like there's the there's the new one mana esper sentinel which is one white artifact creature human soldier for a one one whenever an opponent casts their first non-creature spell each turn draw a card unless that player pays x whereas x is esper sentinel's power now that's also a human which is a whole different conversation but I do think that this card, given, you know, plating and other things that could be happening, modular, like this card's very good. This is this could be a really sneaky card that it ends up in Affinity. I really like this card a lot. And then the other small card in Affinity that I think doesn't quite chart on the actual power level, but it's just like one of those cards that I think I thought about probably for Highlander is Barbed Spike, which is white one for an equipment that when it comes into play, it makes a one one flying creature. And then it also attaches because it's living weapon uh, plus one plus O. Well, no, it's not Living Weapon, but it, it just becomes a 2-1 flyer for two. It's got Living Weapon it's vibes. Got, yes, exactly. I mean, look, it's a 2-mana it's a 2-1 two two flyer that's an artifact that creates you two artifacts. And if it dies, you are left with something that is able to make your artifact bigger. I don't think that that card will ever see play in actual Modern Affinity. But when I look at it and I think about things that give you higher power and make multiple artifacts for two or less... It checks all the boxes. So just like yeah, a thing I think, to think about that I think is cool. I, yeah, I think I think if this card was a servo, it made a servo and then it gave whatever it was equipped to flying, this card would be playable in, in, in Modern Affinity. I think it just misses yes. it without without it giving the flying. The fact that it makes a flying creature is is worse. Um, all right. The next deck we're going to talk about is Merfolk. Uh, famously, it and Affinity, uh, ironically, have I believe both. I think Affinity has won the most Grand Prix, and then Merfolk is tied with uh, Elves and Junt for winning the, the the next most. But um, Merfolk has gotten a lot of power. Obviously, Wizards came into this being like, let's make Merfolk good. I think they want Merfolk to be good. Interesting that they went with the Mana Denial strategy. Um, I do like that we on there's a few like shot calls. I do, I do, I am excited to do like a review of both our Modern Horizons one videos and then also our modern horizons two predictions because we definitely said richard import is a card they can print in the modern and we didn't get actual richard import but we did get richard in dock hand <laughs> um and on top of that we also got tide shaper um so or uh, so we, like we now have two additional pieces of the merfolk on the mana denial strategy right like merfolk already was playing spreading seas using that to like turn off people's non-blue mana and give their creatures basically make them unblockable because their opponent now has an most of their creatures have island walk um that's how merfolk works uh now you have the addition of richard and dockhand which now can tap a secondary land um and then you have tide shaper which uh, alongside those two cards turns an additional land into an island making it just like this really efficient one mana the two mana based mana denial strategy that then allows you to get to the point where you have like six lore unblockable six sixes in play just because that's how the deck works um and then you add that the new sea god uh let me bring up exactly what this does i have it right here in front of me i think i think what you're talking yep. about is really interesting the new sea god is a three mana it's it's blue blue one 
It is a 3-4 legendary creature. It's called uh, a Svelin of Sea and Sky. Blue, blue, one, three, four, legendary creature, merfolk god. Uh, Svelin of Sea and Sky has indestructible as long as you control two other merfolk. Whenever Svelin attacks, draw a card. Other merfolk you control have ward one, which states whenever another merfolk you control becomes target of spell or ability, an opponent controls, counter it unless they pay one. So it's got that, it's got those vibes, those, uh, those uh, unsettled mariner vibes. And I think what's crazy about this card is if you compare this to Kopala, you know, from uh, whatever the Ixalan set was, right? The mm-hmm. two, two for three counter spells when you're like, this is, <laughs> they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll get rid of some of those, uh, the, the, the two counter and we'll move it down to one. We'll call it ward. But when it attacks, you draw a card. It's indestructible if it's in a merfolk deck. And also <laughs> it's a three, four to begin with instead of a two, two. For mm-hmm. three, like this is this is the older brother that just beefs all over Kopala. Like I don't even know if a Merfolk deck can make use of this because most of what they need to be doing costs two. But this is so pushed. This is so good in that deck. Well, Merfolk Merfolk has always had space for the three mana um, protection care creature, right? Like it played. Um, what's the spirit that it used to play that made all it, it would counter spells? Oh, it used to, it used to play Kira, yeah, in the old Kira days. glass, yeah, glass spinner, and then it played. I think it was Kapala, but so it always has played that three drop, and this one just seems better than most of the other ones because it protects itself. It's indestructible. It makes it so all other merfolk have ward, which basically makes them all have a Thali attacks to try and remove them, which it makes it that much harder to interact. And it starts drawing you cards. It's, I, like, I definitely think this card is super playable um, in merfolk added to the fact that people's manas are already going to be. Now that, that is one thing that is that, that makes this card a little bit worse is like of the mana denial cards. We mentioned two of them don't get rid of mana. They make that mana blue. In some ways, that works because it's ward, but it is ward one. So they can always use that blue. It, gives, it does give them something to use that blue mana for, which makes it a little bit worse. Um, but that being said, I still think it's a pretty powerful effect. And and like alongside the fact that you can be doing that 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 denial, the other like cards that aren't necessarily Merfolk are interaction. You get cards like Suspend, which is one blue exile target creature and put two time counters on it. It doesn't have Suspend, it gains Suspend. So you, you, they've printed blue Path to Exile. <laughs> the irony of this card is that this is actually what I always used to try to talk about Pongify or Rapid Hybridization as, which is an instant speed blue one mana spell that could get rid of a creature that you needed to be gone. And obviously those spells always ran into the problem of they got a 3-3 creature, but it, that was always the theory, right? It was like, this was instant speed removal, not, you know, non-conditional uh, for, for one blue. And this is so much better. I mean, I've always been such a fan of the card suspend, and this just is that, right? Like, or no. The wait, ability suspend. suspend. Delay. The, the, sorry, the or card delay, delay right? right? Uh, blue yeah, yeah. one counter target spell with three uh, suspend counters on it. This is just path to exile with that ability. The other one you didn't mention is subtlety, which is the other mono blue insano card that makes Merfolk just like if this is in your hand, every card. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's as good as suspend, but I definitely think that having the ability to tap out for lords to go for the alpha and then have subtlety in your hand to bounce a blocker is quite good. Um, my my issue with subtlety is that it uh a only targets spells so you can't just bounce a thing and play um so no. it, it's, and it's, it's one target creature spell oh, 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 oh sure 
yeah, spell. yeah, yeah. Got it. Um, a creature. Yeah, you can't bounce a creature in play, and B, it only hits creatures and Planeswalkers, so it doesn't get rid of, like, removal spells, which is normally what Merfolk doesn't like. I actually think this card's really overrated. I, like, love the other invocations, but I think Subtlety is the, definitely the worst one uh, outside of very specific strategies. We can get to that later. Um, but I do think that there are a ton of powerful cards for Merfolk, and I do really like the, like, mana denial version of the strategy and then giving stuff like Suspend, where Suspend allows you to get rid of that blocker that you want to get rid of for very, very low cost, and Merfolk is aggressive enough to be able to capitalize on it. Like, that's the... That's, like, Suspend is a card that needs aggressive decks to play with it. Like, you want to be a tempo deck. You want to be something that can, like, kill someone in three turns, and Suspend... And Merfolk is the deck that can do that. Um... The next deck I want to talk about is uh, Kiki Pod uh, and and specifically Imperial Recruiter Strategies. So obviously Birthing Pod is gone and I'm sad about it all the time. <laughs> um, but one thing this de- this this the format did print uh, is Imperial Recruiter, which I was this is this is one of the reprints that I like hadn't. I didn't think they would do it. Um, so it's two red for a one, one uh, that when it enters the battlefield, you may search your deck for a creature uh, with power two or less. If you see the promo artwork for the recruiter, the full art version, uh, it has actually Kiki Jiki and Pestermite in the art. It's like the shadows of each of them. It's like really cool. Um, like that's, that's the main combo, right? You can use recruiter to get either half of that combo. So he gets to be a redundant half of that entire deck. He's in the right colors. Cause the Kiki Jiki is in red. Um, but you also just have the ability to do other powerful things. Uh, we're going to talk about in a little bit when we get the strategies that don't currently exist, but the like revel arc, um, combo, uh, with, uh, yeah, Car- yeah, Karmic Guy Revelar combos uh, with a sack outlet. This has like plan, and those strategies might actually just work with the Kiki Jiki Pestermite combo and like a Jeskai shell. Um, he just allows a really good toolbox option that finds you a combo that wins you the game. The other thing is you can play him, get Kiki Jiki, cast Kiki Jiki, copying him, grabbing Pestermite. So you can even loop that up. He like lets you kind of do the birthing pod chain with Kiki Jiki that Kiki Jiki let you do. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm super hyped, uh, for, for the, that type of strategy to come back, right. The like build up the chain to win the game through combo. You know, what card I am sort of a little surprised is not in this set. And I think will more than likely be in the next one of these is arena rector, mm-hmm. which is the, Academy Rector from Battlebond that when it dies searches for a Planeswalker because I used to play the combo with Sahili and Feldar Sovereign uh, Guardian in Highlander, but I would play it with Recruiter. And the whole idea there being right that Recruiter could get it would immediately get you the the Guardian uh, or it could get you the Rector and the Rector. Would, so you could kind of do that whole combo together slow. And that seems totally slow enough to be modern centric. I don't think that's like an unfair thing in modern. That's like probably actually kind of bad in modern. Yeah, I think it might be bad. But like, yeah. I can't believe that a, the Arena Rector hasn't already been somehow printed into modern. It feels like one of those cards. That they're just like waiting to find the opportunity to do. But yes, I would agree with you. It, it does feel to me like and I actually really like that. From a design perspective, I really appreciate that Wizards is doing that, that they're promoting the Kiki, the Kiki Jiki combo deck, because that's like really cool, right? Kiki costs five. So yeah. like I'm all about that. Like I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Right. Well, and it and it gets the new Nobo hierarchy as well, right? With like 
being able to have a, a ignoble hierarch be able to generate red mana so you can take that green mana and make it into like triple red pretty easily to get you to kiki jiki is actually a really big game for that deck that deck always had the problem of like noble hierarch did not make red mana which makes kiki jiki that much harder to cast that three red mana and kiki jiki is a more significant deterrent of casting that card than even it being five mana and so having cards like this to be able to make it more easily cast is like really important and i think really cool um the next deck i want to talk about is crab vine but really vengevine decks and the big thing here is vengevine was i know I, I love a vengevine deck hollowed one decks were extremely you know hurt by the banning of faithless looting and right. um, now there, there's a few new looting cards. There's a new suspend, or not suspend looting card. There's a, a rebound. There's a rebound. You get the cast card, yeah. Rebound. There's a rebound. You discard a card, draw a card for one and a red, and then it rebounds on the next turn. That card's really cool for these type of strategies. Um, but for me, one of the things that I think is really interesting is the root walla. So there's this burning root walla. The 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 problem with Vengevine, and the reason I was so hyped about uh, Arclay Phoenix back in the day was like getting good like creatures to cast that trigger a vengevine is actually a lot of work and often you don't have good ones they're mostly bad and the power of root walla um which is the green one and what was played when um survival of the fittest decks were the most powerful deck in legacy was you could use survival of the fittest to discard a vengevine discard a vengevine then discard a root walla playing it getting the first creature trigger and then discard another root walla discarding it and playing it uh so what for those who don't know basking root wall which is the original one is a one green that has madness zero creature uh and then it has a you know a pump ability they printed burning root walla let me find it so i can look at it it's right I got, here i got it right us. here in front of me what's crazy right. what's crazy about this card is that the original the original root the basking root walla it was green one to pump it this one is only red to pump it and it's the same card it's a one mana one one that that madness is for zero so that's the big difference is that this card now, I believe the original Root Walla was plus two plus two for two. So this is not strictly better. Yes. It's red yeah. for plus two plus O. Oh. So it's a more aggressive Root Walla. But even so, for what we're talking about with just killing your opponent, this is a better card. Like it just is. It only costs one to make two power more. Um, and the fact that we have this now in modern, like this is this is a pretty big push. It's pretty sweet. It's a pretty sweet push. I gotta say right I, this, this card i'm super excited by makes fauna shaman better right it makes like other cool discard outlets really cool um anything that has discard as a cost now becomes a lot more interesting and and obviously then it triggers vengevines vengevines come into play so i think i think that i was like so hyped and really confused why people weren't as hyped as i was when it was printed and i'm glad you're on you're on board ben um the next deck I want to talk about is uh, Cascade, and specifically, there's kind oh, of really smokes. two. There's two versions of this, right? There's As Foretold decks, and then there's Living End decks, classically. And dude, there's like seventeen cards that have been previewed yeah. so far <laughs> that make this deck sweet. Like I, I like don't even know where to start. I have so much to say about this deck. Go ahead. So, so I think there's two categories, right? There's the suspend cards for zero, which there's a full cycle of. Um, and then there's the fact that Charlotte's agent was added to the format. Um, the big, I think I obviously Charlotte's agent is extraordinarily powerful. Um, the fact that it's like 
a threat and a creature that comes into play that then can suspend into these things, but then like can see play as more of a value engine. Like there's going to be a ton of different things you can do with it in these though. It's just like a great blocker. If they're able to interact somehow with the card, if they are able to counter, for instance, the force of negation, your suspend uh, zero cost, whatever uh, your living end, then you still have a two, two attacker that can get in there, which is much better than just like all your creatures get plus one plus zero. Um, and then so that's like that's the big like upfront option like it just fits in the decks that already exist the fact that they've added like a a demonic tutor and a like there's so many different options here yeah like all of the free suspend cards i think the green one is pretty medium is that the one that's medium i forget which one is a little mediocre no, oh, no, no the green one's insane the, sorry the, it's, the, it's the, the green one is yagwell the blue one is yeah. okay yeah, 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 so, sorry so, so the blue one's bribery the green one is yagwell there's the red one's the, glimpse of tomorrow which i don't know what the card reference is but you shuffle all permanents you it's warp world i think you just warp world but uh, yeah, one-sided warp that's world exactly right yeah. there's and then there's soul ring there's soul ring soul ring exactly yeah and 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 then of course the card that really comes to mind that like pushes us is blood braid marauder this is this is the card that when i read i was like okay so we're like we're like getting to a different zone here of cascade free spell interaction this is red one for a three one human berserker can't block it has delirium um and it has cascade as long as there are four or more cards in your graveyard now i appreciate the fact that the delirium means to get this on turn two you have to like do something really wild on turn one like i do appreciate that like it's conditions have to be met but the fact that you have a two mana three one aggressive creature that if you can figure out a way within the first two turns to get this turned on, this is going to be like a two mana three one draw three or like a two mana three one soul ring or like there are so many powerful things in modern now or bribery, like just like all the things <laughs> it's it's like mm-hmm. I read this card and I'm like, I mean, I mean, Alex, what do we have to do? in a very conservative manner to achieve delirium by turn two when you cast. So, uh, so, so I think, I think blood brain marauder is a little bit of a trap. Uh, well, okay. It's not a trap. I think it's really good, but I think it's really good when it's just cascading accidentally, kind of how blood braid elf currently cascades in junt. Like, I think this card is powerful in red decks where you're playing fetch lands, you're playing, uh, 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 burn spells, you're playing sorcery burn spells at instant sorcery speed, and you're gonna like have creatures that die because they're gonna have to answer their creatures or they lose, right? Like, if you have a goblin god in turn one, they're gonna die unless they kill it, and therefore your creature, and then you play this, you have delirium, you go off, and and you just get a, uh, a lightning bolt and you burn them in the face or kill their creature that's in your way. That's where I think this card is great. I think in decks that are trying to cheat out cards. I think like in, in a living end deck, I think this is not a good card because you all of your cyclers are creatures. Like the point of the living end deck is to cycle creatures into your graveyard that you living in back into play. So you only really have creature and sorcery or creature and land in your graveyard, which means that this is never going to have delirium. And then that means when you cascade, you're going to hit him. And then for the other version of that, which gets to cast all those suspend cards, which is the as for told decks, those decks... I think are just don't need him. Like he doesn't do what the deck needs, right? Like in those decks, you just want to play like one good one drops, two drops. You want to play electrolyze or not electrolyze electro dominance and as foretold to get to cast profane tutor or get to cast 
um, the warp world and cheat and embercles into play or, you know, get the draw three cards. Like there's just more powerful things you could be doing. Um, or now you get to do, you know, storm with Gaia's will. Uh, Cause that's what I feel, magic like, needed. I feel like your, I feel like your point is that basically if you want to get value anymore in modern, like if you want to be a value oriented deck, the value has to be so outrageous that it's like almost anything that it's not outrageous when it comes to just like fair cards getting value is not good enough because the power level is so high now that like the combo decks will beat you and the cards that and, and the decks that are taking advantage of like, you know, they're, they're basically playing unfair magic will beat you. And so Jund in, in itself, just the good decks that play only good cards will probably beat you. So the only way for you to beat those decks and the rest of them, it has to be like your value has to be so nuts. Like to, to get like cascade value, you just like the whole deck, every card has to be like, I'm outdoing you. And what you're saying is that because this is the only two mana cascade card to make sure you have anything going with this, you have to play things that cost probably one, which means that like those cards aren't that good. You'll skip the other cards that cost zero it feels like there's not enough things that support the idea of a two mana cascade card. Yeah. And in fact, that's just a three one for two, right? Like if it had another ability instead of not like, instead of a drawback, it can't block, right? Like if it was able to like have, if it had haste, I would love this card. If this card had haste, I'd be all in. Um, yeah. Like, like it, I feel like what this deck wants to do, just like what I'm, what I'm excited for is a, uh, blood braid elf and, um, like a rug blood right elf shardless agent deck that just is playing crash of the footfalls and um the 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 one that draws you in, in non-sexual recall whatever draw three cards that suspend one um and like the wheel of fortune maybe and just like is playing a cool value game that these cards are just good cards together and will be able to get you really valuable plays off of those cascades and I don't know if he fits. And that's where I, that's the best place for him, I think, outside of just like regular burn, because then he gets to like hang out with Bloodbraid Elf and the other one. And you're only casting these cards for value. So you're fine if you hit a lightning bolt. You're fine if you hit a um, Serum Visions. But you like sometimes just get the nut draw and you hit the hit the hit the suspend card or crashing footfalls or this guy. And that's I think where he's a little bit better. But even then, I don't know if you need him. You just have like like the other two are just that much stronger. The last deck I want to talk about, and there's a there's the one thing to say is we just have a few, and, and especially for time, I'm trying to go through these. Um, there's just like infinity of these. I have stuff like uh, Mardu Aristocrat, which is there's like there's so much from Goblin Bar Marbent specifically, but like there's a bunch of token stuff. There's the new Bridge from Below Magus, like there's a bunch of cool stuff there. There's like a ton of hate bears that like are hard to talk towards because I don't even know if that deck's going to look like what it does now, but just there's a bunch of just like creatures that interact with your opponent in different ways. Go <laughs> um, like anything that plays white just gets the white invocation, um, et cetera, et cetera. So like, I don't want to get too, too deep into all of the different options here. Um, Soul Sisters got a biting grace, uh, which is the enchantment that lets you reanimate a thing. Um, but the last one I want to talk about is mono black pox. It doesn't have to be mono black. Black Pox, and and that is because they got braids, 
they got the card dam they got grief they got uh void walker um i mean in some ways this is also an extension to the next conversation which are new decks that never existed which i'm going to get a lot of hate when i say mono black devotion uh is a new deck that has never existed and both of these decks together kind of build that framework as we segue into new decks that don't exist of like mono black got a lot of very powerful effects in this set and i think when you look at the cards you're talking about i mean braids and I could be wrong about this, but I think Braids was originally printed in... Oh, the Blue Braids was Planar Chaos. The yeah, original yeah. Braids was probably... I want to say Torment. Yeah, okay. So, but who knows? Yeah, so... so that era. So, so Braids... So Braids is now officially in the set. Yeah, so so basically value cards that slowly but surely like win the war of attrition against your opponent like the things that got added like damn you talk about... I mean, damn just in itself as a card is kind of a fascinating card like black black destroy target creature and then like is just wrath of god on the other side is crazy yeah yeah i i sort of can't believe but again like how often was damnation seeing play in modern to this point i mean i mean wrath of god was seeing play right like damnation sees like is like a kind of a a sideboard card for jund forever i think like giving like abzan decks like this that damn itself is a card that make like abzan decks come back by itself right like a a jund card on the front side that's a great removal spell just like destroy target creature for black black um that in the late game can just wipe the board is like an like, like there are people talking that this is the best board wipe ever printed i think the fact that it's two colors makes it limiting right you can only play it in two colors you can only play it in black white decks otherwise you should play wrath of god that being said damn by itself actually might be playable right like just like straight up murder for black black i don't think really exists very easily in the format without splashing to other colors um i mean if you're talking about if you're talking about that card that has the backside of wrath of god it's so playable it's so good like it, it it's so i mean i it's it's not so good as a four of like it's 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 so good yeah, as yeah. like two. probably a main deck two of is my guess yeah. and and maybe you'd have an extra like a third copy in your sideboard but like just in terms of what it represents in your opening hand versus the late game draw it's so friggin good like i'm compared I'm, to most things i'm so excited to play this card in like an esper control shell like actually like like thinking of the different options abzan losing like the problem with abzan is that red is just like so insanely good <laughs> like you losing blood bright elf and red and six is a big ask and lightning bolt is a big ask now for those you get the white invocation you get lingering souls you get damn you get um a slew of really powerful planeswalkers. So there is arguments for it. Mardu damn's insane. Like the, I like, I like, and that's one of the few color combos that has gotten a lot of power, right? Like, like, and green's yeah. gotten a lot of power, but like kind of in weird ways, like people are complaining about how good green is after this set. Cause they got, t- uh, you know, and I think that's a little bit for commander, right? Like they got a Yagamas will and they got a, uh, 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 they got a Urborg and those two cards apparently are sacrilege for green to have. But, as far as like Mardu goes, like and Jund goes, like Tarmogoyf is bad, not bad, but it's significantly worse. Um, and so Blood and Re- Blood Braid Elf and Renin Six, which are like are really good, but you maybe you don't need those. I think there's like a really cool Mardu list that's like really powerful. Dam's great there, and then obviously Esper has always been kind of a playable deck and has been a lot more recently. And this is like a huge win for Esper. I think it's the best in Esper. I think if I was gonna pick a shell, partially because you can like Snapcast or Mage it back. Um, or you can like do other cool things with it and recasting it. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped. I mean, also you mentioned for a second ago, but Voidwalker and any of those decks, if you want to make heavier black as your base, like 
Void Walker is our preview card, and it's so good. It's 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 like it's so good. Like this card, this card does what it's this card just sort of exists in this like zone that so many two and three color decks, I think, and, and specifically black mono mono black decks just want, which is like a three power creature for two mana that is evasive. That has an insanely, in insanely um, obstructive ability to your opponents. That on top of that can create card advantage for you. It, it does everything. It slices. It dices. Like, yeah. This card fits into Mox. This card fits into Jund. It fits into Abzan. It fits into Esper. In any of those decks, it's quite good. Like, I, I think this is one of probably the better cards printed in the set, just based purely on its CMC. Yeah, I think like something that people have also talked about is like just like Jundaloros, right? Like you just play Renin Six, Croxa, Voidwalker, uh, Renin, uh, 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 um, Tarmogoyf, Bob, just like only play two drops and you can take advantage of your Voidwalker all day long. <laughs> and Voidwalker and Loros is insane because you can use the cards you steal with Voidwalker and then Loros lets you recast it. So you get to keep kind of looping it. Um, but yeah, just like all of these cards for mono black decks just extends out to like the Cabal Coffers. We, I mean, we talked about in our in our predictions episode, what if Cabal Coffers was printed and like what does a, a mono black Tron deck look like, especially now with Break the Ice, like being able to like not have to worry about having colorless mana. Like there is so much Tron hate in this set and, and maybe Cabal Copper is just is able to take advantage of that and like getting to play Gary, getting to play um, like the once again, the bridge from below Magus, Magus up from below, like all of these cards like really take advantage of that, like maximizing your black mana devotion count. And like th just that kind of continues like, and, and, and then obviously grief is part of that. Uh, next deck is blink decks. So this is obviously the one like Esper blank or black, white based blank or anything that uses ephemerate and invocations specifically, I think is the thing people are most excited by the black and the white one being the most like, abusable with the blue one being able to be taken advantage of kind of uh not really with ephemerate but uh yeah i think the black and the white one being obviously the strongest um honestly i think the red one is better than people are giving credit to and i think it's actually better in the ephemerate decks than people give it credit to because it is a creature removal spell versus the blue one where it ephemerate doesn't really work because it has to be on the stack and the green one which is like a great card just like it's a sideboard card against graveyard decks. Um, but with the black and the white one being able to ephemerate on turn one, that's the thing people are most excited by, right? Like that was like the first thing out of the get. People are like, oh, wait, I can ephemerate grief on turn one, thought seizing my opponent twice, and then it comes back and thought seizes them a third time, and I end up with a menace creature on turn two. <laughs> like, how is it's that like hard fair? To, it's, it's like hard to imagine losing in a lot of scenarios. Like, you have to be playing against basically. Blue white control and or Jund, I would say, are like the decks that come to mind right off the bat that feel like they could just draw good enough cards to be able to like, you know, like draw a path, draw like like something, right? But like if you're a combo deck, if you're even like a moderate deck, like if you're if you're just like an elves deck or something, like, and you just get rid of the things that matter. <laughs> if you mm -hmm. if you're not all good cards, I feel like if you get thought seized three times in the first two turns, you don't win. If they have a big threat. You have to draw exactly answer or you just lose. Um, that's why I think probably the, those blink decks with the ones you're talking about are the best ones, because all the rest of them, 
I don't care that much about pathing your creature in the first one and a half turns. Like, I don't care. Or, or I should say, sorry, swordsing your creature. That doesn't matter to me. Like, you probably won't have something that I care that much about swordsing, especially two or three times. Uh, I don't care about your graveyard in the first one to two turns. I don't really particularly care about, like, doing a bunch of damage to your creatures and planeswalkers that much. And I definitely don't really care about, like, because blue's so reactive. So the only one that really goes crazy off Ephemerate is definitely the Thoughtseize one, right? It's Grief. Grief's the one that, like, if you want to go aggro turbo, you can get the most value. Most of the rest of them don't scale up quite as well in the first two turns. Well, that's that's why I do like the white and the red one for two reasons. The white one, because you're doing it, because it's still good, right? Like, I, I you still are benefited from having from swords to plowsharing two of your opponent's creatures. And like, maybe you don't get in on that t insane turn one play. Cause you have to have redundancy with this ephemerate deck. Cause the thing that's bad is playing a deck that's trying to grief ephemerate and then not drawing grief and drawing two ephemerates in your opening hand. So you need like as much redundancy as possible. And them playing like them playing a bird of paradise, Esk effect or a hierarchist effect or or a different one drop and or obviously one of the many two drops in the format and on turn two ephemerating them out with with the 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 white one is pretty pretty good. Um, the red one I really like partially for the same reason like it it doesn't do that much different in modern than the white one does. There's not that many creatures that are must kill creatures on 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 turns one through three that you couldn't get the better cards or a free mana spell doesn't matter for that doing that amount of damage to doesn't also kill not to mention the sad panda that you make when you play against the eight the eight noble hierarch deck that now will exist or the affinity deck that exists and you get to like kill three of your creatures with the red one but the back end of that which is ephemerating a three three double strike into play after wiping their board twice on turn two or on turn three is pretty massive that's one of the things I really like about the red one, like doing the modern version of this list versus the blue one. Everyone's really excited by the blue one. I think the blue one's bad and I think the red one is good. I think the green one is as good as everyone knows it is. It's a three, four reach for three with, for flash, which is already a great card. It kills every three, one flyer that this format is playing, which ends up being more than you would expect. And then it eats graveyards for days and or protects your graveyard if that matters. And like that card will see play. In the exact way people think it does as a sideboard card. I, do I mean, think, I, I would agree with yeah. you. I would agree with you that I think the thing about the red one that really stands out to me is like, of all of them, it's the one that when it's left on the battlefield is the most savage. If you're telling me that I get a 3-3 double striker on turn one <laughs> by like doing anything, like what do I have to do to get a 3-3 double strike creature on turn one? We're talking, we used to talk about Delver, right? That was a what? conditional flip on turn two to be flying. And you had to had no protection. It didn't cost you a card, but like that was like we were excited about that. If I get six damage on turn two, which like in reality in the deck that I'm playing a three three double striker on turn one off of an ephemerate that doesn't cost mana on turn two. Now, granted, I can't attack on turn two, but like there's a very real world well, in which I win the game you, on turn three in that deck. You can attack. You don't have to ephemerate on turn two. If they don't, if you, if you, oh, it's, if you, it's, 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 it's optional. It's optional. True, true, true. Yeah, yeah. Say you're on the play. You turn one, ephemerate the three, three double striker into play. So you've now wasted three yep. cards. That's a lot of cards, the ways to do this, but you can do that. Together, three, three, yeah. And yeah. they don't play a creature on their turn because they know you can ephemerate. Now you just have a, now you just dealt six to their face. I without, mean, so it costs like, you ephemerate. 
it costs you a red card. A red card. So you, and you have to have had a land in the first place to have even cast it. So, right, with the Fury, that's, that's now you've four yeah. of your seven cards. You're on the play. So you have three cards left. You're going to draw one more card. Let's say you don't ephemerate. Is there a world in which you play one more card you draw? So now you have three cards left in hand and you have a 3-3 three, three double striker. Can you win on turn two with three more cards? <laughs> I, I, I mean, the answer is definitely yes. Like, uh, it's some sort of like, like a plus. So you've also, if it's green, you have, you know, have ephemerate and a fetch land in your graveyard. Can you become immense that turn? Probably can't become immense um, that fast. I don't think you have enough options because you had to exile a card. And it's my guess worse. would be, so it would just, be more like a, you just need to like a scale up type of situation would be my guess, like scale up plus giant growth kind of a thing. Yeah, that works. Just just two two plus four plus four for one mana spells just does it right because it's now a an eleven eleven. Groundswell is plus four plus four for one. Yeah, just just vines just is groundswell four, groundswell. Two. So double groundswell, yeah. Something like that. I mean, it's it's not the most common win, but like it's it exists. There's 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 a there's a turn there's a turn to win with with Fury, th- but it costs you like all, all your cards, so it's not that common. Yeah, yeah, I don't. But I agree with you. I, I don't think, think that's I think the that deck card to play. Is that people realize. Yeah, I think I think what you want to do is like I I don't think you want to go deep on the ephemerate on like what where it's great is if they play a one drop, and then you. You you then do it on your turn on your turn one, uh, and you just get them, and you're just like, because because now you're three cards down for their one card, but you have you're two cards down for their one card. You've two for one yourself. They but have they can't play a creature on their next turn, right? They're out an entire turn, um, and then like you know obviously killing a Ren and Six, killing a Liliana the Veil. Like there's like other Planeswalkers that you get to kill at this card. I think the red one is being really underrated um, for the especially with in regards to like being able to ephemerate it, being able to take advantage of it. It's just such a beater in play. That, that, like, that, I mean, that's, that's, that, that's the real trick. So, so you think the blue one's the worst. What do you think is second worst? I think green? I was on red. I think it's green and not like, to be honest, I think all of them are decent. I think the blue one is the best body, like just like the best card to cast a four mana, three, three flash is like a good is good. Lying. Um, but like, I think people are underrating how mediocre a counterspell against creatures and planeswalkers is versus split damage amongst multiple creatures and planeswalkers. Yeah. I like, I would it rather play interesting still. that the red one is once again, the only one that has some weird restriction of timing, right? It's, it's yeah. like, it's, it's kind of strange that all the rest are flash, but the red one is the only one you can play on your turn. And the red one in the old, in the old set in the, in the cycle from the last set was like, it, it, you could play it at the same time, but it also was the only one that didn't have any real appeal because the creatures you would play and in theory guess block with would die. Yeah. I remember reading it the first time and being like, this is so dumb. Like, why is this card templated like this? And it's funny that I'm, this is the only one that doesn't have flash. I'm guessing it was a three, three that didn't have, and it had flash and didn't have double strike. And they realized it needed to not have flash. Something and it was too good. strong to do this yeah. at end of turn for someone. Um, the next, the I mean, but the last thing with the, this, the, the the talking about these things because they'll be talked about forever. With the blue one, I'd rather play Venser, especially now that Riptide Laboratory is in modern. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I mean that's that's really powerful. 
The fact that you can like Snapcaster Mage, Venser, Vendillion Click, Spell Stutter Sprite, and that's a deck with Riptide Laboratory. Oh, and uh, oh, yeah. what's the red? What's the black? What's the white blue bounce spell? Bounce a creature. White blue mo- uh, bounce a creature. Oh, the Reflector Mage. Yes, Reflector Mage is also a wizard. Deputy is a wizard. Like, there's so many wizards, and a lot of them are just playable in a blue-white deck. Like, you, like n- almost none of the right. cards I mentioned are like, oh, this is good with Riptide Laboratory, but it's bad everywhere else. No, all of them are just good cards that, like, you get to play a single Riptide Laboratory in your deck, and sometimes you'll just win the game because you locked your opponent out once you get to six mana. <laughs> I, thought, like, I mean, you when, I read, when I read Riptide was getting, uh, you know, uh, previewed i was like that it just it just seems like in modern with what's available like not overtly powerful because i know that what's required to make that happen is three extra mana to like do anything but i still just was like i mean the inevitability of this like we we freaked out about you know Tolerian Ac- not academy uh academy ruins for years and it was always like this really cool inevitability engine you can use in those decks and like this just feels like that times 10 because there are so many yeah. good established things already that you can do um the next thing i want to talk about is uh green based storm so there's like a a they printed a bunch of green storm cards they they printed the one mana you get storm Storm card they they printed the hunting pack which is you get a bunch of four fours for uh uh, you get a four four storm uh they printed um the uh, like the storm creatures, both the dinosaur that gets cheaper for how many spells you cast that turn, as well as the ooze that copies itself equal to your storm count right. when you cast that it. Thing is, that thing is sort of bananas because that, that, that thing suggests that basically it's a 2-2 creature for green, green, green 2 where it states that every spell you cast before it that turn, it's like creature storm, you get an extra copy and that copy is non-legendary. But for each ooze that came into play this turn, each ooze gets plus one plus one. Eight. Right. So if you cast one extra spell, you're getting two four fours for five mana. If you cast two extra spells, now you're getting 15 power for five mana. If for whatever reason you can mm-hmm. cast three spells ahead of time, you are going to end up getting uh, 20 power for five mana. Like that card right. scales in a crazy way. I mean, it's I, I'm not it's saying a, it's, it's AV, triple green, so it's not uh, the name's AV progenitor ooze. Yeah, it's not easy. Triple green, like you you're not going to cast tons of cantrips, but like the manamorphose idea of this deck, it, like there is definitely a world in which you're getting 15 to 20 power for five mana. It's it's not mm. it's not crazy like that's that to me feels like a. I'm going to scale up and go crazy. Like, like imagine what if like search for tomorrow, that card comes in on suspend. It creates a spell and gets you an untapped land. So now you have accelerated and gotten yourself a spell combined with like a mana morphos. Like that type of deck is a thing someone's going to do. That's just going to be like, yeah, turn four, I get 20 power. And you're like, Oh, what do I do? (laughs) What do I do about your 20 power? Right. (laughs) Well, and and so some some uh, this is a little commander aside, but a deck people are talking about also is playing AV with uh, 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 food chain because you just go infinite because it's in your command zone because you make enough mana 
with the copies you make to be able to pay for the commander tax. So you can just cast an infinite amount of times and then you get infinite oozes and you just win the game. Um, that's also true with the dinosaur who also does that. Um, but one of the decks that people are really kind of excited by here is the kind of like the fecundity uh, storm token uh, sacrifice deck. Cause there's now multiple, very powerful between the squirrel storm card and empty the Warrens that like you can pull sure. up that like kind of cool fecundity storm deck that like wins with goblin bombardment, especially now that goblin bombardment is in the deck, which was part of that. Like the original deck was goblin bombardment, fecundity storm cards with to that make tokens. And now all of those people pieces exist in the format. I think that's, that's another kind of direction you can go. That then just has the backup plan you described, right? If you just play like Manamorphos and some Stormcart and some and some um, just red rituals, you might just cast this ooze and win, right? Because your opponent can't <laughs> yeah, deal with I mean, it. <laughs> it I, I, I'm going so much more the like fair magic version where I'm just like, sure, like rituals, search for tomorrow, Manamorphos. You need like a few other cards that make this card bonkers, but truthfully, Envy the Warrens is probably enough if i if i play four of this card four empty and then all of the support cards i'm talking about it definitely feels like a counter spell or a thought seize can ruin my day pretty hard you know if i if they counter my ritual mm -hmm. or if they thought seize out my ooze but like if i go against the deck that like isn't prepared for that i will probably win like more than likely right um yeah you know and it makes you think it makes it definitely makes you think that like is uh is what's it called uh autumn's veil is that is that legal in modern or is that banned yeah no it's it's legal it's legal so i mean if i'm playing autumn's veil in that deck, no, you don't mean autumn's veil you mean so you mean veil of summer that's the one i was talking about yeah all right so the uh, we have kind of two more decks i want to talk about quickly here and then i'll rift off a bunch of random stuff really quick and and uh uh our our lovely people in the editing room, Marshall and Rick are going to have to uh, just flash all those cards up as I say them. <laughs> um, but the first one is uh, Enchantress, because this is one they leaned in really heavily with new stuff. Stuff like Scythist, Hard, yeah. Harvest Hand, they added Sterling Grove, the Sanctum Weaver, which is the Seric Sanctum on an enchantment creature. They just added a bunch of these really powerful Enchantress cards um, that like it would be surprising to me if there just wasn't an Enchantress deck that doesn't come out of this uh, uh, pretty quickly. What's interesting about that is that in modern, you, you don't have the luxury that we have had in casual commander and like competitive 1v1 formats that are non-sanctioned for years of these cool, fun cards. You, if you're going to make, if you're going to make Enchantress work, you basically have to have things that cost one. That's that's like basically the deal, right? Like you, you have to be able to cast multiple spells in a turn to to gain critical mass to be able to thwart your opponent. And I feel like every year or two, Wizards will focus on pushing one or two more cards that do this. You think back to that uncommon card from a course that a couple years ago that was just Enchantress, uncommon, you know, in green white for three, and like. Yeah, it was pretty good. Fine. But like even that casting a three mana creature that's your engine that does nothing on entry is not quite good enough. It actually feels like the type of cards that you would want to push an Enchantress deck are actually exactly the kind of cards that they print in sets just like Horizons and Horizons 2. It's cards that are a little undercosted and do something when they enter. And it basically feels to me like when I started to read the two or three Enchantress cards in green white that they were printing in this set, I was like, Okay, 
like there there is now support enough for this to work. I can see it. There's a green white card that makes sense. Like I think the critical mass is here for this to become a real deck. Yeah, I think I think that like I think you needed Scythus. I think you needed a two mana enchantress. In fact, there are enchantment decks in modern. They're called Boggles. Uh, I didn't say Noggles because I'm, a, I'm a, I've grown as a magic content Lord creator. Um, but you need you need a and that that the reason that deck worked is because they have a two mana enchantress, right? They have core whatever. Um, and so Scythe is being printed is such a big just big win for these types of strategies and with sterling Grode allowing you to both to protect your enchantments and then also play the hate bears versions of enchantress which is like the pillar fort version of the deck i think is also really important and you kind of need both halves i think you needed i think you needed both of these to really push it over the edge you now have a ton of really really good support from all the stuff from uh uh theros beyond death uh, included they have the really powerful three man enchantress that gets a plus one plus one counter every time an enchantment enters the battlefield uh, right. and you draw a card like it gets bigger and you draw a card um, and then this set just adds a bunch of other kind of useful tools to that but I do think those two cards specifically more than anything I mean you get Marari's Wake in this set right like there's a bunch of really cool that's green and white huge printing that's massive yeah, yeah yeah so like you get a really really good selection of powerful cards and there's now enough stuff you get Hall of Heliod exists in the form at like there's there's everything you need to make enchantress playable now and it's and it, it, the big thing it was missing was scythus i think that like and and there's that's the reason it's legendary honestly i think this is one of the few times in wizards history recently where legendary was used as a drawback then uh versus it being used as a nod towards commander this is a, like this and upheaval and braids the two band cards are like my favorite like yes this is not all about commander because like Scythus being legendary is a drawback here. It's good for commander, but it's also like a big, like in modern, that's a, that's a real concern, right? Having two of these in play, maybe we're too good. So now having to have to only have one uh, makes the deck a little bit more fair. Anything else on Enchantress? No, I don't think so. No. Cool. Next card deck I want to talk about is Reanimator. A deck that kind of oh, like I've always wanted to exist in modern. I have cast a fair share of burial rights in this in my life, um, but there just never was like the right pieces. Uh, and they like went really, really hard at this. Everything from Priest of the Fell rights, which like might be my favorite card in the set. Uh, another card that like in a different version of the Ephemerate deck that we talked about, I would be really excited to play because you can uh, Ephemerate the Unearth effect. Right, 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 right. To, to save it and use it two turns. So, like, that's really cool. <laughs> um, getting the ability. Uh, the, they also added the Entomb effect, which I am looking up because it's up here. Uh, Unmarked Grave. Oh, such a good name. So it's Unmarked Grave, named by Aaron Forsyth. He said this is, like, one of the few times in his magic career of, like, 30 years where a card from beginning that he named made it all the way to print. Um, but it's because uh, it's, it's a non-legendary creature. Right, you can find any non-legendary card and put it into your graveyard, so it's unmarked. It doesn't have a name, just like great flavor, flavor win. But this, like this, finds everything from a loam. Like you can get a life from a loam, you can get a, a stinkweed imp, you can get anything in your graveyard. Um, but including big creatures, uh, I'm looking at Suntime specifically, and then you added Persist, uh, one in the black return target legendary cre non-legendary creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield with a minus one minus one counter on it. So you now have just animate it's it's animate dead but it's it's non-legendary animate dead so you and 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 they're honestly they're they're signaling to us in the set right like there's a few cards archon of cruelty is just like yeah go for it you know like do your thing like, this card's really good 
Um, there are certainly cards that I think I look at with persist that I go, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, I think honestly, Sun Titan is still the card I'm most excited by here, especially with the fact that Sun Titan now can like do silly things with Priest of the Fell Rites. And so you can kind of like loop those with each other and get and and obviously Sun Titan has its normal, really powerful effects. Grave Titan in a black white version of this deck seems really good. Um, like even just like doing it for value, like reanimating the incarnation that you sacrificed because you just paid it, it's a vote cost. So it's in your graveyard. So you get it back. Like that's such a cool loop to me. That seems really powerful. Like just being able to like keep fearing your opponent every turn. I mean, for sure. I mean, I, I do. I do think that Archon of Cruelty is pretty damn good. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel yeah. Like this card being, being printed is like a really powerful thing. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I just think the idea that persist, you know, we, we had worked with um, we had worked with Gorio's Vengeance for years to like figure out the best instant speed ways to, you know, create really cool things. And persist feels like it adds a, an extra level of the same mana cost of black one to do really, really, really bonkers things. Mm-hmm without having to be so caged by the idea of legendary instant speed. Like they're both very cool, but persist just feels if you want to talk about certain cards in modern in, in this hit feeling that they're, they're pushing modern to 20% beyond what it was. Like we're going to just give you tools to just make this feel less spectacular, but like normally powerful persist is one of those cards where it's like, yeah, good, good for you. Now you can do this. Well, yeah. And, and, and like Gora's Vengeance, like you only get the creature really for that, you know, that, 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 like, cause it's legendary and you only get it for the time being. So like it, it has its negative effects where persist, like is such a more open option to get things. Like there are way more powerful non-legendaries. You can get Ashen Rider, right? If you want to exile something, you have Inkwell, like the classic, like now, reanimate inkwell leviathan on turn two is a thing that is possible in this format it's just like a standard normal thing um that i've like games will be won i don't like yes it's it's like a little outclassed by like the insane things you can play but like there are decks that just can't beat an inkwell leviathan ever (laughs) like a turn two link leviathan just like we used to we used to do that in highlander all the time (laughs) that used to be like my i used to do that constantly like that's that's so 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 good and so hard to interact with Right. Uh, and then like it that betrays obviously is like the best Eldrazi you can do this with being able to steal their permanence void winnower, though, on the other side of Eldrazi cuts out like all of the removal yeah. spells, just locks people out of the game. Um, you have uh, stuff like um, uh, 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 Sire of Insanity, just like discard their hand. Goodbye, people's hands. <laughs> they no longer have it. There's a bunch of other cool reanimated targets, even like cute stuff that like tight Tinoth Rex option where you play the cyclers or just like massive cycler cards so you don't have right. to play like a discard package and you're just like value persisting them out of the game where you just have a 10 10 trampler on turn three uh backed up with the removal spells like there's so many cool things you can do with now having between persist and the 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 priest of the fell rights you now have two separate two mana reanimator spells that are unconditional in the format and I feel like there's a lot to do with that. And then you add Karmic Guide, right? You add Karmic Guide on top of all oh my of this. God. Jeez, that, that card is. And, and the fact that it's a 2-2, and this is only minus one, minus one. It's like, it stays in play that turn for other things mm-hmm. to be done. to get something back. I mean, like, yeah. Kar- Karmic Guide, we haven't really talked about. Well, well, on the next show, I would imagine when we do the awards, Karmic Guide will probably be 
pretty high on the list of, of nominations. That card's insane. I'm going to be talking about Karmic God for a very long time. For a very, very long time. Oh, oh, oh I guess the last reanimator is Dermo Taxi. We haven't even talked about this. Have you seen this card? Yeah, yeah for sure. The, the, you're talking about the artifact. But yeah, the vehicle. two mana artifact vehicle imprint as Dermotaxi enters the battlefield, exile a creature card from a graveyard, tap two untapped creatures you control until end of turn. It becomes a copy of the imprinted card and it's a vehicle until, until it's other types. So you can like. It feels like this and Lazav are probably hand in hand on some level in like modern well, this, as like some like, really crazy deck. Lazav, you have to use the mana. Like Lazav, you can I mean, only get I, things I, that you spend I mean, mana on. This I mean, is for sure. Like Lazav, it, you you you're not going to get the same cheat. Like this card allows you to cheat whatever you want. But like this I think is, my point is, is that if you're going to dump things into your graveyard with two mana spells and then try to get value off of what's in your graveyard, it seems like they probably play together. Would be my guess because like even just like Lazav copying a Hedron Crab and like being able to mill more things. It, like like Lazav gets you stuff in your graveyard, but the thing you want in your graveyard, like you want Elishnorn more than anything, right? Because like you want a card that is massive, that one it it, it attacks, it uh, it, like it doesn't require an ETV, right? Like it needs to be able to do whatever is good about it while it's attacking, and you need to be wanting to play creatures so you can you can turn this on. So like to me, that's Elishnorn, right? You just have Elishnorn in your graveyard and then just like play Lingering Souls with this and Elishnorn in like a self-mill or like a discard deck. Lazav, to me, you want more like... Lazav wants uh, Mere Superion. You want you want low converted <laughs> mana cost, but like weird drawbacks that Lazav puts into play accidentally. And that's... Which is a totally different yeah, cool it, idea. It, it, it wants it wants dreadnought basically, but they can't re- they can't reprint dreadnought. So, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Um, all right, so that's that. Those are the two main kind of deck concepts I wanted to touch upon before we were done. There's so much in this set. We like as we're already at two hour or an hour and a half, um, and and uh, are, we're having a little bit of audio trouble. But just like some throwaways, you have just upheaval existing, like. That's an insane card that is going to do cool stuff in this format. You have uh, whatever you want to do with Glimpse of Tomorrow. You have Gris and Jund uh, and Dakon doing cool uh, artifact reanimator stuff. That's really, really powerful. Then then, then you get into established decks. And we didn't even get to kind of talk about this, this stuff. And I think we'll do an episode where we talk more about like established decks and what powerful things are. Because we didn't even talk about Ragavan which I know is like the best card in the set for you. <laughs> um, Favorite card in the entire set, seriously. We didn't talk about Dragon's Rage Channeler, which is another like amazing card from my end. Like it's an amazing Phoenix card, being able to just surveil every time, like prowess surveil. Um, we didn't talk really just about the card Counterspell. <laughs> well, uh, Fire and Ice is printed in this set. Another call that we oh got. Shot we call. didn't even talk. We didn't even talk about Fire and Ice. That's crazy. We, we, we got it. We got it. We we got to basically. I think we just need an extra episode just to like to talk about sweet cards. Yeah, yeah. Well, and we'll probably do the like Academy Awards, and then we'll do we'll do the second half review, um, especially because then people get to play with the cards, and we'll have a little bit more to talk about. Um, we didn't talk about Blue White Control or Burn getting Flame Rift or Elves getting Quirion Dryad or Jund getting in its own hierarchy, its own personal hierarchy that Jund got. That's crazy. Um, 
nor are five of your cards. So there's a ton more stuff to talk about. Um, once again, uh, make sure to check out the link below. At worst, there, there's a place to put in submissions and, as well as links to where you can vote for next week's Academy Award extravaganza. Uh, we are, I believe we should be back to streaming Commander uh, this Monday night. So tonight we'll be streaming Commander. Make sure to check that out. Twitch.tv slash Kess Wiley. If not, Commander will be streaming something, uh, maybe more kind of content uh, in the review world. Um, make sure to check out our... Um, Discord, as I said before, and uh, if you're on TCG Player, make sure to use the code the MMCast to, to to check out and get some cards. It's super appreciated, Please. and uh, thank you uh, all of the people that donate to our patron. Uh, thank you up to you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and friends, and I will talk to all of you next week. This has been a production of Time Traveler Media, Sinzing Podcast into the future.